Well, the compromise that's happened in a gray church mm-hmm. is, I think, a genuine desire for unity. Mm-hmm. And some of the teachers, especially at the Gospel Coalition and outfits like that, mm. are telling people that, okay, if you're a preacher and nobody in your congregation knows where you stand politically, right. then that's like kudos to you. You're doing a good job, mm. right? Welcome to Off the Cuff. This is Average Joe Gormley talking to our Pastor Jeff Clearer. Hey, Pastor Jeff, how are you today? I'm doing really well. Uh, I'm so excited about our our uh, talk today. I think um, we talked beforehand a little bit about the blue church and the gray church and how important it is, well, how hard it is to determine, am I even in a blue church or a gray church? You so... I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, what on earth are you talking about? Blue church, gray church, red church? Yeah, that might help. (laughs) Defining our terms again. Defining our terms. Defining our terms. So, what would we call a red church? Yeah. The blood of Christ covers us from all unrighteousness. Okay. And we're transformed into the image of Christ from one degree of glory to another. Mm -hmm. The word of God trains us in all righteousness. Mm. Speaking to all areas of life. The whole counsel of God. Mm -hmm. We're submitted to that. And it teaches a particular ethic mm-hmm. that we um, The blue church has a completely different worldview. Mm-hmm. A whole different statement of faith, a different morality, a different ethical grid. Mm-hmm. Um, and we call that blue. Gray. What is gray? Mm. It's neither red nor blue. Right. It's somewhere in the middle. It's some blend of the two. Or it's just fuzzy and and silent and middling, mm-hmm. not willing to take a stand or to, to deal with these issues. And, and is it safe to say, like, blue is pretty easy to, to figure out, right? Yeah, because they have a giant rainbow flag on their yard. Like, <laughs> especially yeah. with the rainbows. Yeah. We didn't have that a few years ago. Yeah. And now it's really easy, right? Yeah. We, had, we had to worry about other things. But um, the great church is a tough one. And you just, you could be in a church for, I don't know, 20 years. And you just don't know. Well, the... Compromise that's happened in a gray church mm-hmm. is, I think, a genuine desire for unity. Mm-hmm. And some of the teachers, especially at the Gospel Coalition and outfits like that, mm. are telling people that, okay, if you're a preacher and nobody in your congregation knows where you stand politically, right. then that's like kudos to you. You're doing a good job, mm. right? They don't know if you're for or against socialism. Right. They don't know what your position is on abortion. Well, surely, you know, abortion is wrong, mm-hmm. but what about policies around that? And does, it be, does life begin at conception? Or right. They don't really know. Right. Where, what is your stand? Can I be- defend other people's right to kill their babies? As right. opposed to having to stand up for all <laughs> right. murder in the womb. So making some room for like this, well, you know, I'm against abortion, mm-hmm. but I see that politicians are more pro-life mm-hmm. in other areas, right. like welfare or whatever. They would right. say that's a life, a pro-life issue. So, hey, that might be okay. We won't take a stand yeah. because in their mind, that's justified. Right. So here's the big idea, though. 
in the gray church, they, they assume that unity, mm-hmm. even at the cost of truth, is to be celebrated. Is that how they... So, so are you saying that they know it's evil, but for the sake of unity, that's, where, that's why they do it? There's just got to be multiple motivating factors. I mean, we can't possibly know the hearts anymore. I think unity is a, a major drive and push. And, okay. and, of course, John 17, we're to pray for unity. Okay. But never at the cost of truth. Right. There are times when standing for the truth will be like a sword that divides. And Jesus talks about how it would divide even a family. Mm-hmm. Unity is, is something that we desire, mm-hmm. but we can, we can never compromise truth to achieve it. How do you know when to argue and when not to argue? You know, because you don't want to be argumentative, right. but we know we must make good arguments. Well, I think it depends on the weight of the question at hand. First of all, does it touch upon the gospel? That would be... Um, let's say somebody tried to redefine sin. Oh, <laughs> yeah. How about that? Well, how can you preach the gospel to yeah. someone who is bound in, in some kind of sexual sin? Mm. If you're unwilling to define what sexual sin is, you've mm. lost the gospel at that point. Mm. So anything that touches on the gospel, also things that, that affect life, liberty, mm. you know, the, the pursuit of happiness. Mm. There are there are things that rise. I mean, you don't, you don't quibble about small differences, but the kind of questions that we address in the red church, mm-hmm. these are matters of life and death. Yeah. Abortion sure. is not some, some trifle. Yeah. So I think that's a good transition point to go to, um, this little quote I have, or a couple of quotes here. As I told you this, um, I was listening to Greg Bonson and he was, uh, preaching, uh, about uh, Romans three And he said this, it's possible for theologians to outwardly say the right thing, then to pour poison into the bottle. All labels look correct, uh, the form of their theology, that is, looks correct. Uh, Instead of health-giving medicine, we get poison instead. So, and he was, then he quotes another pastor, and I'm not going to say the name of the pastor for those of you who want to go out and Google this maybe and and see this, but this is a pretty well-known pastor. Um, on TV and things like that. And he said this, I'm convinced that the deepest of all human needs is salvation from sin and hell. I see sin as all pervasive in humanity, infecting all human behavior and polluting the social institutions and systems at every level. The result of sin is death and hell. Now that sounds pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Until later on in his book, he defines sin, like you mm. said. He defines sin. Well, how would you define sin? Sin is lawlessness. Right. It is breaking the law of God. Okay. Yeah. Let's see if uh, this pastor's uh, definition lines up. It says, sin is any act or thought that robs myself or another human being of self-esteem. Audience, anybody? I mean, drop the mic. That's horrible. That's, what is that? That's anti-gospel. <sighs> yeah, yeah. So if you if you don't have the law of God to define what sin is, right? To then make us guilty and, and shut our mouths before God. Yeah. Then you can't be brought to a point of repentance and faith in the Son of God. Right. So to say anything that harm, what do you say? Your self-esteem. Yeah, your self-esteem. Sin is any act, it's a good thing to repeat this, sin is any act or thought that robs myself, myself, of an, or another human being of self-esteem. 
So we're elevating self-esteem yeah. to this, which I don't even like that term. I, right. think, I think if it's ever used correctly, it's, it's still horrible. Right. You know, um, yeah. well, we're supposed to deny ourselves, mm-hmm. right? So I, my first thought when and we were talking about this earlier, right, not exactly off the cuff, was um, that how does a new believer in a church like this, where you hear that first part, of the of a sermon sounds great and then you get that definition when's that definition going to creep in is that coming in like six months after you're there a year after there and you're like oh that's what sin is Mm. you know you had all this good stuff and then you you change you twist just a little bit of twist well that's the nature of false teaching is that it wraps itself in a package that looks orthodox so it's a wolf Right. In sheep's clothing. Right. If the wolf just came in saying, "Yeah, I'm here to preach a different gospel." Yeah. Yeah. Then everybody runs out of the building. Mm-hmm. But if he sa- if he sounds so right in in def- in that first part of the quote, and then only later on slips in this unorthodox and even heretical view of sin, mm-hmm. um, the wolf will eventually take off the sheep's clothing, or you know, try to devour a sheep while wearing it. Yeah. But yeah, it's. I, I think it's hiding. so. I think so. As a, as a person, as a regular average Joe Christian, I'm talking to my next door neighbor and they go to XYZ mm-hmm. church down the road and we're like, oh, kumbaya. And, you know, we're all, we're all having f- fellowship. Right. right. Um, but they don't know what sin is. How, right. how, what do I, how do I, first of all, make sure that my neighbor does know the gospel and knows sin and, and knows all the key components of uh, being a Christian, so you know, because I care about them and I love yeah. them and I want them to know these things. So I think we we first of all have to engage and create that sort of conversation where it moves a little bit beyond like, hey, how's how was your evening or you know how's what's what's going to happen this weekend to the deep things of life, mm-hmm. and that's the hard part of evangelism of introducing a question mm-hmm. or something that would engage that. So um, one of the things that my friend Phil and I like to do is ask a question like, hey, can I get your opinion on something? Mm-hmm. What do you think of the afterlife? Mm. Now you've moved it to the spiritual. Yep. Now, this to answer your question, this is the key point. The law of God has to be brought upon the conscience of the sinner. Yeah. So you need the law of God, the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. to, to bring conviction and to tear apart that self-esteem, which mm. people have no problem with, with that self-esteem right. with regard to their sin, right? Sure. They justify it. They, they even want you to celebrate it, mm-hmm. and they want to feel affirmed. They, their self-esteem is part of what's keeping them bound, right? It's, so It's medical. It's scientific. Yeah. So you bring the law of God to bear upon it. Mm-hmm. How many lies do you think you've told in your life? Mm. You don't just ask them, have you ever lied? Mm-hmm. Because that's enough to get them thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, everybody lies. But how many lies do you think you've told in your life gets them thinking, wait a minute, it's been a lot. I I remember this time, hundreds. And now the weight of their conscience, hopefully, is beginning to to weigh on their shoulders. And then you talk about Jesus' comments about adultery. If you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, Mm -hmm. begin to look into the heart. Covetousness Mm -hmm. is the 10th commandment, and it's all about the heart. Mm -hmm. So you begin to press the law of God down upon the heart, and these conversations go. And it won't be long if if there's some particular sin, sin that they're struggling with that you'll hear them ask about that. And, well, mm-hmm. what do you think about this particular sin? Mm-hmm. And then having the willingness to say what God says mm-hmm. and have a, 
a loving, gentle attitude as you say it yep. without blunting the edge and, and the, the truth that, that will bring conviction. That's hard. We all so want to so, blunt that yeah. edge. We want to yeah. blunt that edge. I want to blunt that edge. Oh, sure. Because yeah. I, if I'm talking to somebody and I feel like, and I get accused of sharpening the edge, but okay. at the same time, I'm really blunting it because I'm like, yeah. I, I want to kind of navigate around something and, and, and say, well, you know, this door, they wouldn't open that door. And, I, yeah. I gotta try to open a different door. What do you do in those situations? Well, I mean, you're following the conversation and you really are not trying to drive them away. Like, it's not hard to go and yell at somebody and drive them away, mm -hmm. right? So you're trying to uh, be kind, mm -hmm. ask a lot of questions, listen really well, yeah. and then keep the conversation going. You're not trying to end it. Right. Um, but you are bringing truth to bear. Yeah. So the kind of questions you ask for example, how many lies do you think you've told in your life? Yeah. Well, you're using the law of God to get them thinking about their own sin. Right. Um, but ultimately, you're bringing them good news. Yeah. There is a sin bearer for those who repent of sin and believe in him. Yep. Your sin can be taken away. Mm. And then you'll know what it really feels like to have a clear conscience. Mm. And to have no longer self-esteem built on this fake, like, blunting of the conscience where right. you try to press down the, the law and what you know about this God. Yeah. You're, you're suppressing that knowledge and trying to puff yourself up by making everybody affirm you and right. pride movements. You know, yeah. every June you, you just see this display of insecurity. Right. That's what it is. Like right. everybody affirmed me all month long. Yeah. Why? Because you're suppressing the law and the knowledge of God. Right. And you, you need that affirmation. Yeah. But there's a kind of not self-esteem, but confidence mm. in knowing that you are forgiven. Yeah. You walk with the Savior and his cleansing blood has washed you clean of all unrighteousness. Right. And you are justified and sanctified and he loves you and your, your future is secure. Mm. You have eternal security. So that's a much more mentally healthy place to be mm. than the insecurity of constantly self-esteem begging for affirmation so what you're actually offering them is really good news not only for the future yeah. eternal life which is the most important thing but yeah. even for this life sounds like you're saying that you need to speak to them in their language too like so with the yeah. self-esteem and the confidence i mean those are two words that really play off play well against each other right in a way that they will understand without so i've said dumb things like well self-esteem that's just selfishness or it's you know pride yeah. it's, it's just a sin you can't you, yeah. you gotta be a little less cutting edge than that right well or yeah no. the goal of the evangelist is to win the soul right right, right. daniel 12 he who wins souls is wise mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. or in that case it's no that's i'm conflating uh the psalm but daniel 12 is about those who win souls will shine like the stars mm. you know that that's there's a glory to that mm -hmm. you want to win their soul you're not trying to lose Lose them. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you love them and you want to, and so you're not trying to condemn every use of wrong language and yeah. just drive them away. Let's go back to the blue church versus the gray church. Yeah. And what, now you've written a book yeah. called The Blood Red Church. Yeah. Um, which I, I was just, it just blew me away because there's, there was this thing about the gray church. I couldn't put my finger on it for many years, I believe I went to a great church. Okay. And um, I couldn't put my finger on it. It was hard to, I, you know, 
topics would come up and I'd ask for clarification and it took days or weeks to get clarification on certain topics. How, how do I know if I'm in a great church? What, what would you do as a, um, as a member of a church and you suspect you're in a great church, what would you, what would you say to your pastor? You know, I wouldn't say anything. I would ask questions. Okay. And some of the questions would be like um, socialism or even democratic socialism mm-hmm. versus capitalism. Mm. Okay. Is there a biblical view or are they, um, is there room for difference in that area? And what are you expecting the answers are going to be for someone who's gray? Well, let's just do that. What's a yeah. gray person? What's a gray pastor? There will be... Pastor? nauseating nuance. <laughs> there will be so much nuance and lack of clarity in answering that question, okay. leaving room. Well, you know, some people emphasize this mm. and it's good to be compassionate for your neighbor. And, okay. and maybe there's a role for government in some of the, you know, you'll see this kind of need-based theory of justice okay. versus justice as biblically defined. Well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with well, what it's, you just said? It's anti-biblical. The Bible clearly teaches capitalism. Really? Absolutely. My gosh, I've got some friends that are going to be shocked. <laughs> yes, it, and there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Capitalism itself rises from the Christian worldview. Yeah. And we could debate that one day, whoever wants to, to argue that point. Yeah. But it's just a simple matter of private property, of Exodus 20. You know, <laughs> thou shalt not steal. This concept of private property. Yeah. So yeah. I, think, I think some of the arguments that you make, I mean, I mean one of the arguments is, is certainly theft, right? So, yeah. you know, we're not to steal other people's stuff. Yeah. And then, but we make the arguments the government's not supposed to steal stuff, but then we're okay with them stealing stuff at other times. Isn't that kind of the problem when we make these arguments? Absolutely, because the government as it exists today mm-hmm. and the taxation just as we have it now is already absolutely theft. Okay. It's so far beyond the biblical parameters. What the government does versus what the government was commissioned to do in Romans 13. Mm. There, there's such a gap there. It, so, so, all right, so if the government, now this is, I, I hope you appreciate this question. Yeah. <laughs> so This is if, why we do it. It's off if, the cuff. Let's go. If the government is sinning by stealing my money, why should I keep paying them? Well, it, it would be a very high bar to clear to stop paying your taxes when Jesus himself said, Render to Caesars what is Caesars, and to God what is God's, in reference to that kind of question. Even if that, even if that entity is working outside of their authority, and even so, and and I mean, how many times do they have to violate their authority before we we have to take a stand? Well, the American Revolution mm-hmm. was drawing a line in the sand at the Boston Tea Party, you know, that's when they they overstepped it, it went beyond. And what's so funny about that is that taxation at that point was, I think, less than 1% of income. And now we're up at 50 something. I mean, it's become halfway to a socialist. So there would come a point where lesser magistrates, Mm -hmm. people who God brings into positions of authority, Mm. let's say it's a state governor, or a group of state governors Mm -hmm. would, first of all, use the constitutional processes that were put in place to hold the federal government in check. Okay. Um, What we can't do is just say an individual right now is going to just advocate anarchy and just come out from under it and I'm not paying taxes. Well, you end up in jail. 
Right. That's not a movement of God. That's not what the American Revolution was. Right. Um, but God, in time, and it's almost hard to see how anything would prevent this from happening in time unless there's a change in the American trajectory. But God could raise up some major shift in the American political situation. Yeah, yeah. I could see that happening if it keeps going. Uh, for example, you brought up um, earlier the decision in Washington, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They, how many conservatives are on the court right now? Well, how do you define conservative? What are they conserving? If they're not willing to stand for basic free speech, that a pastor counselor mm -hmm. sitting across in a room with mm -hmm. someone who is confused sexually or according to their gender. Yeah. If you can't tell them the gospel, yeah. that they should repent of sin and believe in Christ and, and right. be changed and quote 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 10 and 11. Yeah. If you can't do that, right. there's no free speech. And yet the answer to the question is there's two. Yeah. Because only Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito okay. said that this this law should be unconstitutional. They were willing to take up the case and yeah. fight Washington State. Right. The other quote unquote conservatives. Quote unquote. Yeah, they just said just let it go. Let the law be the law. Well, that's Washington State. I mean, that's that's a big deal. And, and we I, could be thrown in pre prison for preaching the gospel. Well, I mean, that law is in place in New Jersey. Yeah. For specifically Specific, psychologists. Yeah. Right. You know, but but the fear now is that it by that what it, logic will it not out. come into this office? Right. You know, it's, yeah. it's just there's no logical reason to draw the line there. Yeah, there's yeah. not. There's not. But they'll say freedom of religion, which we'll, we're thankful for. You know that Amen. there's a certain protection there. This is the the American founders were protecting religion, and that's what Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptists to say: the wall of separation between church and state right. was so that this very thing. Mm -hmm. So we might have uh, freedom for some time, but big picture there is you, you do pay your taxes until God has raised up some military or some state or some movement mm -hmm. that would be an actual revolution where you declare war and like, there's right. secession. You know, there was a civil war fought over this. Um, and in that case, it was not a just cause because right. they were defending slavery. Well, and, and, and so... Just so that nobody thinks we're talking about, hey, we need a civil war. No. Um, yeah. You know, we don't have enough believers no. to have a just war no. and if, if, a, if a war was called for. Right. Right? We don't have enough believers to vote down the killing of human babies in the womb. Right. Like, this is the reason that we lose elections, because there's just not enough of us that have any moral sense whatsoever. And a big reason for that is because pastors aren't clearly preaching. Yeah, I, I, I think, I, and I don't, I mean, this could be a whole other episode, but yeah. I, I think a lot of um, military families are questioning whether or not they can faithfully serve God right. and serve in the U.S. military at right. the same time. Yeah, and that's a reasonable qu a question. And John Lask and I were just talking about that with the Naval Academy. Mm. Um, at what point can you even not, in good conscience, recommend people go there? Mm. Because it's so woke. Wow. Do you send them to a woke indoctrination camp? Yeah. <laughs> when you want to go serve your country? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think we've got a, we've got a lot to chew on uh, from, from that. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm probably going to uh, put up a little uh, picture of your Blood Red Church book right oh. here. In the, because folks, uh, especially in our church, we need to get, uh, we need to read that, you know. Okay. Um, 
Pastor's always got copies here in the office if you yep. if you want one. Yep, for free. And maybe, you know, maybe we get uh, some a couple of chapters out uh, as a promotion at some point to get people to sign up to, to be on the podcast that we're doing every week because this is going to yep. come out uh, very soon. And uh, we'd love for you to um, share this with other people. Share it with people who go to other churches, not necessarily to, to recruit them to come to Cornerstone, which is nothing wrong with that. We do right. want to bring people into Cornerstone. But, uh, you know, if they're going to a woke church and they don't know what the definition of sin is, I mean, right. gosh, that could be really bad. So, And um, and there's all types of woke churches. So mm-hmm. there are some some are on the sin level. Some yeah. are, some, what are, you know what, do you want to hit a couple of them? Real? I just want to say that, so there are, there's a spectrum to that, right? Yeah. So there are great churches where the pastor is generally conservative, but just maybe a little afraid to speak to some of these issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what this podcast could hopefully do mm-hmm. is encourage him to be more bold yeah. and say things that he already knows yeah. to be the, the case. Just never had the green light. Well, if your whole denomination is mm-hmm. inside of one of these groups, it could be the Gospel yeah. Coalition like you right. mentioned, but there's a bunch of other ones too. Oh, sure. And yeah. some are some are, are more red. Christianity are more Today gray. is is entirely gray or even almost blue at this point, okay. the magazine. Yep. Um, the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, the ERLC, which is mm-hmm. the big uh, moral arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, they're entirely in the gray camp mm-hmm. and hateful of those that are taking strong stands on these things. Yeah. So... There's a lot of a lot of work to be done. So yes. we, we hope you come back next week and uh, listen to Off Cuff Podcast Reflections on the Christian Life with Pastor Jeff Cleaver. See you next time.